0: Oh, what a relief to be back on the podcast. Heath family, I have missed you since Monday's episode. Now, in this season of learning and honesty, I have spent the last few days learning a huge amount about how audio works. In other words, I did an interview and then the file broke and I had to do a bit of a deep dive to try and get it back. Now, when you listen to the next 40 minutes, you will understand why the prospect of not sharing this remarkably inspiring, authentic story of hope, resilience, courage and faith was just not an option. So it may not be Wednesday, but we're going to go for Wellbeing Friday instead. And I just don't want for you to have to wait any longer longer. Now a huge part of the joy of hosting this podcast has been to have the opportunity to honour and learn from and be inspired by those in our Mount family. Well today we have the incredible honour of welcoming someone who is beyond our immediate family at school but who is deeply rooted in the wider family of education, pastoral care and well-being. He has been a teacher, a housemaster, a school leader in some of the finest schools in the land and for the past five years has led an incredible charity called I Can and I Am, where he travels around the world delivering workshops, training, mentoring and resourcing schools pupils, teachers, and parents. He also has a highly impactful and successful podcast. So he certainly knows what he's doing on here today. He's fresh off the TED Talk stage where he shared his story and message to a global audience. James's greatest superpower amongst his wealth of talents is his passion for people. He is deeply fascinated by who they are and he has this incredible gift of asking questions into your life and making you feel seen heard valued and valuable he's humble loyal funny and the bravest man that i know and i'm also incredibly blessed to call him and his beautiful wife my friend Heath-Matt family. Our Wellbeing Wednesday guest today, from I Can and I Am, is Mr. James Schoen. Hi, James.
1: Hello. Thank you. That was a very kind and generous opening.
0: <laughs> it's <laughs> it's uh it's definitely the best part of yeah. of I the podcast like because everybody's on mute and they can do nothing about it. <laughs>
1: exactly. <laughs> sort of thinking no that's wrong no no
0: it's all I mean it was it was uh it could have been 10 times longer but um (laughs) just James James Sharon thank you so much for being on the podcast with us today um we are going to hear uh well just an insanely an insane amount from you today which we can't wait for (laughs) but just because you are slightly out with our Heathmount family does not get you off the hook because we always start with a with a bit of a game are you up for that
1: yeah, I'll
0: give it a go. I'll give it a go. <laughs> no, uh, we've shared a good few competitions over the years. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, uh, so yeah, this is a quick fire round. It's a, yeah, it's a okay. friend of the Heath, of the Heathmount family. We're a big yeah. fan. Um, yeah. So it's pretty simple. Speed is key. Um, okay. I'm going to um, give you some options, and you just okay. instinctively tell me what you feel okay all right okay here we go ted ted talks got nothing on this yeah come on (laughs)
1: i'm precious on i'm feeling
0: it good good all right here we go um so let's start off nice and easy tea or coffee coffee every time dogs or cats dogs uh online or offline offline isn't that a joy at the moment when we can get offline um (laughs) fish or chips chips every time fruit or vegetables uh, vegetables probably um english or maths english good man uh, geography or history
1: geography
0: love joggers <laughs> a former geography teacher um yeah. what about this one safari or beach safari yes we shared a few of those too yeah. uh, sweet or savory
1: oh probably savory
0: Yeah. But I changed.
1: I was very much sweet, but it's now savory, I think.
0: Oh, refined. Um Saturday or Sunday?
1: Probably Sunday.
0: But love Saturday
1: as a schoolboy, but Sunday now.
0: Yeah. Sunday's a great family day, isn't it? Yeah.
1: Yeah.
0: Um washing up or taking out the bins? Washing up. Really? I I hate the bins as well. Um it's a tough one. Golf or cricket? Golf. Uh, Royal Hoy Lake or the Old Course and Andrews?
1: Hoy Lake, I think. (laughs) Really sort of, I mean, the Old Course and Andrews, very special place.
0: Yeah, the Uh, Hoy Lake obviously is your sort of home turf, isn't it? That's it, yeah. It was a tough one there. Um, Okay, so um, Jack Nicholas or Tiger Woods?
1: I think Tiger. I think Tiger.
0: Inspiring player. I think
1: Tiger has done so much for the game of golf. You think it was. Big fats, sort the of Craig Stadlers that were pounding the fairways before El Tigre <laughs> came along, walking yeah. the fairways.
0: Um. Okay. So into cricket now. What about uh Lords or the Oval? Lords. It's the classic, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Uh, ben Stokes or Ian Botham.
1: Ooh, similar. I think I'm gonna go Stokesy. I think you know Stokes won that World Cup, didn't he? He what you know.
0: You've been re-listening to it on on the radio recently? Uh, On the radio.
1: And I've got a a, a son who's 12 who is an absolute cricketing nut. And he's watched, you know, the the replay, the replay, probably about 23 times now.
0: (laughs) Okay, a few more. Um, North or south? Um, North. Yeah.
1: Yeah, very much the north. Come on, the north. Not as north
0: as me. Um, And uh, podcast or radio?
1: I think podcasts are amazing things and I will tell you since losing my site podcasts have been my sort of inflow my source of kind of you know I suppose wealth you know of of, of knowledge and you know I can't read books anymore but I can listen to podcasts and they've been an absolute blessing to me I'm uh...
0: amazed at how many people haven't haven't got involved yet Uh, uh, uh. like it's a sort of revelation so uh, Yeah. yeah I totally agree yeah. with you. Um anyway, that turned less into a quick round and more into just a bit of a chat. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but um we you feel f- fully initiated now into <laughs> I do. the I do. the, uh, the I do. family. So yeah. um Oh, so thrilled to have you on today. Um, oh, so, so we know each other um, from, yeah. uh, from teaching in Kenya, and the podcast listeners will have just been uh, reminded of a few tales that Mr Nightingale, who you also know, yeah, uh, yeah. Um, shared with us on the podcast on Monday. We talked yeah. together at a really, a really fun, amazing school. What your kind of yeah, memories of it that was, season?
1: It was. Do you know that headmaster, um, Mr Fennec, yeah. Who yeah. um was later headmaster of Hazelgrove, which is yeah. quite a well-known school in Somerset, still says that common room um of two thousand and one that he had at which is us, yeah. surprisingly, was the best common room he ever had in his teaching career. Oh, really? There we go.
0: Certainly the noisiest. <laughs> yes, yes, certainly the oh, noisiest exactly. such fun. Yeah. So this was a school in um really in the middle of nowhere
1: no it was it was sort of
0: in between um anyone's been to kenya sort of in between uh nairobi and the ugandan border sort of uh, in that direction and right in the heart of sort of tea tea country and um it was the most blessed place and we had some wonderful adventures so so we all had to kind of return back to
1: yes yes
0: proper living yeah, right. uh, and where did you where did you kind of head after
1: so that I, I moved from Turry uh, to Kingsbruton uh, in Somerset where I was a housemaster for a few years yeah and then we moved again um, from Kingsbruton up to a school called Monkton um where I was at te- here the main reason for moving was from a housemaster to another housemaster but it was so we could have a, a proper garden for our children Yeah. Um, so That's a
0: beautiful we, part of the world
1: yeah it is and it's right on the edge of bath which was great for olivia who's not a teacher and wasn't sort of you know often as teachers you're sort of almost on an oil rig but actually at moncton you just weren't you know there were lots of other people around in bath and lots of young families it was a great place to be mm-hmm. um so we did six years there As a housemaster, I did nine years in total as a housemaster, and I loved it. And then in 2012, I applied for my first prep school headship, and a surprise—I think to many, certainly a surprise to me, but lots (laughs) of other people were surprised—I got the job as their master. And so, Olivia and our four children and me were going to move up to Moncton Prep, which is a lovely prep school with a lovely start in a headmaster's house and all good. And then I went for a medical. And um, initially, when I was asked to go for a medical, I was quite excited. Kind of, you know, that's the preserve of sporting legends. I thought, wow, I of those now. Anyway, I went off, and it was at that medical that my school doctor found a a kind of defect in my left eye. And she actually said to me, sort of almost, almost thinking that I was teasing him when when I said, I can't really see in it, he said, James, you're basically blind in your left eye did did you not know and I sort of you know kind of off you know passing back with a sort of sense of come on I'm nearly 40 I'm getting older my right eye works pretty well let's not worry about it and he said no we need to work out why it is and that was the moment that saved my life because then as a result of this I went for um an eye test. She couldn't see what the problem with my eye was. Then I went off to the big hospital in Bath, the IUH. And this was a day that was really quite haunting because our four children and us were due to be going to Greece the following day, Mm -hmm. almost on a sort of celebratory, isn't life great type holiday. And so you can imagine with young kids, they were just wetting themselves with excitement of you know armbands and nappies and everything everywhere <laughs> and we went off you know recognizing that we were in a boarding house in the school and we sort of left our kids and there were cleaning ladies and stuff around but with a sense of we'll be about an hour yeah we weren't an hour we were about eight and a half hours we returned at five thirty that evening or afternoon with the news that daddy had a brain tumor um and it was a big brain tumor And I remember the surgeon, not the surgeon, but the consultant lady who looked at my scan saying, you're a very, very poorly man. And it's like, whoa, what's wrong with me? I mean, I I had no notion at all. No idea. You've got a large, a very large brain tumour. We're currently deciding, she said, on whether to airlift you from Bath to Bristol to be operated on tonight. Wow! no, I'm going to Greece tomorrow. (laughs) And she said, you're going nowhere near Greece, nor your family. So I remember telling her, lining up our four kids on a sofa and saying, we can't go to Greece. Daddy's got a brain tumour. And Herbie, who you remember from Kenya, who was then about 10, he's now 18, but he looked at me with his chin wobbling as he tried to hold back the tears. And he just said that. Are you going to die? Mm. And at that stage, I had no idea whether it was malignant. You hear those two words, brain and tumor, and you think, I'm I'm pretty close to dying. I, I mean, I don't know. And I just said to him, I don't know, my boy, but it's gonna be a fight, and I'm gonna fight. Mm. And I always share, you know, it has been a fight, and in many ways it still is. You know, I 27 hours of brain surgery, hospital was really tough, 80 days and I had this tachyostomy, this horrible scar in my neck, which meant that I couldn't eat or drink or talk, which are three of my favorite things to do. <laughs> <you know? laughs> so I could you know, I was at, uh, utterly incarcerated in this place. Um, and, you know, surgery and really quite intense surgery. You
0: say 80 so after, days, 80 days. Yeah,
1: 80 days. So after my first operation, I was in ICU for 11 days. And that's actually where I had my 40th birthday, um, in ICU. So, you know, and Olivia didn't see the surgeon for three days. Um, and eventually she caught up with him and they were on this long corridor and she was almost running to keep up with him. Yeah. And he just said, we're doing our best. We're fighting hard, you know? And that for her at that stage was like, whoa, is he a goner? So it was a really tough time. Um, And actually, you know, one of the toughest things was after my second operation was losing most of my sight. So I'm a blind man, you know, I've got no sight in my left eye and I've got 10% vision in my right eye. Which meant that I got, I had that rather haunting experience where I had to let go of my job, um, the the headmaster job. I was asked to leave the boarding house. So we had no house, I had no job. yet I had four kids, I had a wife, and I couldn't really see. So it's this really, really extreme situation of, oh, my word, what next? And I remember being at my mum's house and lying on her um, spare bedroom bed and just saying, Mum, what do I do now? You know, i just finished radiotherapy and I was as weak as I can ever remember being. I, I couldn't walk i could hardly talk and just say mum I, I don't know I, I don't know what to do now you know I'm, and I, honestly it was one of the most scary situations oh, i've i mean
0: I, I can't even imagine a
1: yeah even it, it one really tiny was,
0: fraction it. of that yeah um
1: it it was it was from and what was so bizarre about it was that you know at the beginning of july you know life couldn't have been better it was July the 21st that I was diagnosed. Um, so I had three weeks of whoa, and it was champagne, and it was dinners out, and it was invitations here. And, you know, I was planning with the, 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 <clears throat> the head of the senior school at Moncton, we were talking about stuff. And, you know, it was a year to go, so I had another year in the house. But, you know, it was, it was an exciting time, undoubtedly. But then, bang. Suddenly, there was like this walk, and so to get probably the best piece of news in my life, with the worst piece of news. Three weeks later was, whoa! And and I remember at home, Olivia, when I was in hospital, would always bring me the mail, and lots of lovely people sent me cards. But in amongst the cards, with you know cards of commiseration, there were a few cards of congratulation as well. It was like. <laughs> Oh you know this really strange blend of you know who knows what.
0: And so um, how I mean, how on earth do you get up from your mum's spare room and yeah? You know, but yeah. How, how do you take those steps and how do you know which yeah. direction to head? Yeah, I, I
1: I I I was asked this I used to have a tradition as a as a boarding house master where. With the upper sixth form pupils, when they'd done their A-levels and before they left school, I would have a final one-to-one chat with them, mm. often in the local pub, um, asking them some sort of reflective questions like, what have been the best bits, the most valuable things you've learned, hardest challenges, you know, all that, all that sort of stuff. Getting, I love those sort of yeah. questions. And I remember it was the, that summer term of 2013 and I was in the middle of my radiotherapy and so I was uber uber weak, and really could hardly walk without holding onto a wall or whatever I was walking next to. I just sort of sidled along it, and I got myself down to the local pub. Olivia said, "I'll drive." And I said, "No, I want to walk." It was four hundred meters probably, mm. and I got to the pub and I meet Ben. I met Ben, who was actually the head boy of the school that year. Lovely guy, and the first thing Ben said to me he said, "Sir." I don't really want any of your questions. <laughs> I thought, Ben, how rude, mate. It's taken <laughs> me half a day to get here. I was sort of puffing and panting and sweating. And and he said, no, I don't want your questions. I want to know how you have got through this year. Mm. And it was a brilliant question. It was a brilliant question. And I said, Do you know what, Ben? There's a real sense of irony here because I can't see you know, I'm, I've am i lost my sight, but I want to talk about looking. And I said, the first thing is that we must remember to look up. When times are tough, we must look up. And this is where my own Christian faith has come to the fore, that you know, there was a time in, in hospital, the ward was so grim. It was so awful at times. That mm. I remember one night, I was asked this the other day by a child, they said, what was the worst night you ever had? And I, I had forgotten this whole experience. And, and suddenly I got this revelation of that night. And it was the night where I woke up freezing cold, soaking wet in my own urine. Mm. So me and my catheter had become separate. Mm. And urine was just covered all over me. My sheets were soaking. My whatever I was wearing, pyjamas were soaking. Meanwhile, in the next door bed to me, there was a man wailing, literally wailing. And eventually the wail stopped and I heard the nurse say, he's died, he's died. Meanwhile, I was ringing my bell. And of course I had no voice because of my tracheostomy. And I was ringing my bell, I was freezing cold. Somebody has just died and it was like, I mean, it's like a vision of hell, really? I mean, mm. it does it get worse than that, And eventually this nurse came, and of course she was as fraught as could be. you know, mm. somebody yeah. who's been looking after this has died. She literally washed me down with a disdain and sort of, you know, poor you stupid man, why be wet yourself? almost type of approach. Mm. And I remember sort of the following day iterating this, you know, with no voice and Olive um, trying to kind of lip read. She said, you just now need to really trust. And it was that moment which just kind of hit me like an absolute arrow of just one thing to kind of say, well, I'm a Christian and I trust and I believe, but suddenly there came a moment in my journey where I just thought, yeah, God, not why, but how do I get through this? How do I get through this? Because this is really tough. So look up would be my first piece of advice. The second, I always say, is the importance in life of looking forward, looking forward. Um, because actually that's where the hopes, the possibilities, the, the opportunities are. They're, they're next week, they're, they're next month, The next year. Mm. you yeah, know we're obviously living in this rather extraordinary time at the moment where we don't know what next week or next month or even next year is going to be like yeah but i think we need to in amongst all our challenges is to seek and see that there are opportunities mm. um and there may be different ways and we mustn't i always say the past is a great teacher we can learn from the past we can reflect on it you know we can refine ourselves in the past but we mustn't sit in the past and stay there. It mustn't be our master that we sit under and don't move. Um, because it's, it, it, it doesn't help. You know, I can't say, oh, I'm a blind man, and give up. No, keep looking forward. And then the last thing I said to Ben is the importance of looking out. Mm. And this is a big one for me. I, I, um, I absolutely swear by this. Because if I'm honest, even... Eight or nine years on, the first part of my day is often a really challenging part. I wake up, and I might be dreaming about driving a car or hitting a tennis ball, and I open my eyes and I, I'm blind. I can't see, and that's that's my dawning of the day. I'm I'm a blind man,
0: hmm.
1: and the feeling makes you want to shut your eyes instantly. That's it, you know. And I then get out of bed and I've had two strokes during surgery and my balance is shot and first thing in the morning, I'm, I'm like a stumbling drunk man. And I walk straight into a door frame or a wall and I stub my toe. And I stub my toe, I'm, I'm a blind man. And you're two nil down, you've only been awake for three minutes. And that's when I hear sort of in my inner voice that, that voice of Winston Churchill, who said in the war, in adversity, on times of challenge, we have a choice. And I always say that quite pointedly with mm. my finger pointing at pupils, because I say the choice is yours. It's not your mum or dad's, it's not your teacher, your form teacher, your housemistress, master, whatever. It's your choice. Winston said we can either give up, you know, jump back into bed and pillow over our heads and pretend it's all okay, or we can get up Mm. and I find one of the most compelling reasons for getting up is other people. It's whether it's my children and emptying the dishwasher or asking somebody how they are or maybe a text message to somebody or it releases inside us a hormone oxytocin that makes us feel more alive and more complete (laughs) um, and more whole. I learned that the, the last book I read before losing my sight was the Viktor Markle book, a uh, Victor Frankl book. He, he was an Austrian Jewish man um, who survived Aus- Auschwitz. And an incredible story of, of, of firstly his time in Auschwitz, which is just like, makes our lives feel like we're in Glen Eagles every day of our lives, really, yeah. you know. But then the second half, which was interesting, how he survived. And he told the story of how he was once given a bread bun, not once, but every two weeks or so, they'd get it given a bread bun, Mm. you know, like a brick, absolutely, you know, how grim can it get? But instead of sharing or nicking everybody else's, which a starving man would be tempted to do, he would share his bread bun and he would get that shot of oxytocin, which made him feel better and more alive. He had helped somebody, he had given somebody something, and he took i think this is really interesting that rather than trying to satiate his stomach mm. he was actually more about trying to look after his own sense of well-being
0: Nourish his well-being nourishes and nourishes his soul.
1: soul. yeah yeah and okay. i i learned so much from that and and i will tell you eight years on that, that looking out has probably been the thing looking out and learning to be thankful for what you do have and can do I think. Two things.
0: I think, though, that you know, for many would sort of listen to that and think that it was kind of counterintuitive. Because in your situation, you think, well, surely you've just got to be looking out for yourself here. You know, surely you've got to, you've got to figure out stop stubbing your toe and (laughs) figuring out how to get a bit more balanced so you don't walk into the door. How on earth can you make that leap in in that moment to thinking? I need to focus on someone else, something yeah. else in order well,
1: I, Do you know, I think it's, it's, it's really boiled down to our essence. We're, we're meant to be givers and servers and look around us. I, I just don't think we're put on earth just to simply look after ourselves. I, I think that really... I always say the opposite to UFO is to look down and back and in which spells out a dangerously bleak individual, um, mm. which I think you are if you look down back and in. Mm. But and like I, I said, you know, it is our choice. It's our choice as to what we choose to do.
0: Um, I mean, I'm just wanting to almost let that just linger for a moment <laughs> as we reflect on this reality. I mean, you know, we're in a this this really unusual season just now of uncertainty in terms of on, on every scale you know uh kids have never ever experienced learning in this way and parents have never experienced parenting in this way and teachers, um you know the, the whole the whole world in some way seems seems to be upside down i think in this season. Um, you what would you say to the kids who are maybe just you know thinking I'm six weeks in here I I don't know when I'm going back to school I don't know if I'm going back to school before the summer yeah um, yeah what,
1: um, I, what would you... I I I think you know it, it's trying to see this as a kind of form of opportunity mm-hmm. it's so different and it's so different to what any of us have experienced and something my father-in-law said to Olivia and I is, he said, "Make this a memorable time for your children. Mm-hmm. Make it a memorable chi- a time." And undoubtedly, it's going to be it's going to be a feature of history, and all our children, our children's children, our children's children are there are going to be learning. And actually, it may well be, you know, forty years time. I'm sitting with a a grandchild. And he said, "Well, what what did you do during?" Um, the, the the lockdown in coronavirus. And actually we want to say that we weren't lying down in a hole feeling miserable, but actually that's when we learned to do something or that's when we used to ring Granny every day and check that she was okay and we used to, you know, I don't know, bake a cake for somebody who lives across the road and is, you know, has had very few joys in their life. That actually we've got those little things that we try and do. I have my my top five that I I share with with people, and I think the first is, it is important, this is where social media is proving to be a really positive thing actually, that we do connect with others, Mm -hmm. um, and allowing our children to use FaceTime and and, and link, and perhaps even Zoom or or other sort of facilities online, that we connect with others, um, encouraging people to be physically active, Mm-hmm. Um exercising outside I think is so much better than jumping up and down in front of a, a, a video. I mean it's fine. Um mm-hmm. you know, I don't want to do old Mr. Wits or whatever his name is down. But I think that exercise outside, Stanford University have just done a big bit of research on talking about how much better for our well being outdoor exercise is for indoor or the gym culture. It- Learning a new skill um I think cooking is always a good one. I think, you know, it's a family one. Learning to use a washing machine, learning to iron, learning to do basic gardens of type stuff. I think, you know, we're all immediately available. Or just maybe teaching yourself how to play a few notes on a musical instrument, or I don't know, or something on a computer that you've never worked out how to work a spreadsheet, or. Um, I think giving to others, like I've just talked about, looking out and giving to others. Um, But I think my final thing is not to spend too much time either looking back or even forward, Mm. but actually we learn just to appreciate the present moment. Mm. I think that, you know, how often is it that mums and dads are in their NS? it's probably four or five weeks of the year, it's Christmas, it's the summer holiday and that's kind of it yeah um, but all together you know having breakfast lunch supper every day you know it's amazing um, and if we're able to really celebrate that even if we can't do it every day but two or three times a week I think that's a really positive thing
0: yeah well I think it is uh, you're absolutely right and um, I think that it's not a time that you want to have any regrets over certainly is it no no um, no but but also I think allowing yourself to have good days and bad days as well. Yeah. Good hours yes. and bad hours. <laughs> yeah, that's going to be allowed sure.
1: as well, isn't it? Sure. No, absolutely. I, I last year started the real journey of grief, you know, through you know having lost, you know, a lot. And you know, I remember one of the um the, the sort of guys helping me counselor just saying James, you've got to go through to get through. -hmm. And that actually, it is okay to burst the floods of tears or shout or do whatever you need to do. Mm -hmm. It's part of the process. And you can't, you know, you can't just patch over and pretend and pretend. We mustn't do that. We've got to be real and authentic people.
0: I heard a lovely analogy about, you know, this season where we are, you know, using a lot more muscles, whether that is uh, emotional muscles or. Physical muscles, indeed, or, or intellectually. And, um, you know, when, as, as we all know, when you go for those first few sessions at the gym, yeah. when you really, um, when you do exercise those muscles, it hurts. Yeah, yeah. It hurts. yeah, you,
1: yeah.
0: You're aching.
1: Yes, um, yes, and yes.
0: It, you know, and that ache lingers. And yeah, it does, yeah. You have to, you know, pick up those weights again yeah. and, and yeah, do yeah. it. And, and then, you know, as part of that ache, it, you know, that's where growth comes. and strength yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. but you can't skip that that part out.
1: No, absolutely and, not.
0: And what no. an amazingly resilient generation of young people we're going to have. In this. I know,
1: I know. Can you
0: imagine? Exactly. Imagine our future leaders. And, and who and were... what
1: had been called a snowflake generation, you know, because of their inability to kind of cope with change. But now look at what, what's been thrust upon all of them. And you think, come on, guys, this is a way to really prove yourselves. And this is a it's a, it's a, learning experience.
0: Oh, well, I heard, you know, one of my sort of colleagues had likened it to, you know, we have gone from, um, you know, it, we are now expecting the children that we teach to uh, operate as a, a leader of business. They are managing um, uh online calls uh yeah. conference calls they are using other devices to um access work on on the cloud or on emails mm-hmm. we are then asking for that then to be um the outcome of that work to then be sent back to us either as a photo or as an audio file yeah. or a video you know yeah. these guys are, are ruling the world yeah and, you know have, have learned how to do that yeah. All those you know take it in their stride yeah. um, meanwhile their parents are like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know yeah. uh finding it maybe a little bit harder as so they're trying to obviously run their own run their own yeah. show um yeah. just amazing listen james yeah. i mean obviously we could talk to you um yeah. all day but you know can you just tell us a little bit about um about i can and i am about the yeah sure i
1: now. i remember sitting Really, uh, really really good story but i remember sitting as a, a totally broken man, you know, I, I could hardly speak. I couldn't really walk. I couldn't go for a walk outside. The, you know, Olivia had to bring me cups of tea because I'd just pour all the water over the sideboard. I'd miss. I could just about get dressed on my own. And um, I remember this one man asking me this question. It was the best question I've ever been asked. He said, James, what's your passion and somehow that question probed in deeper, the fact that physically I was I was on the scrap heap. I was I was game over. You know, what's the point of his life? Nothing. But actually, that question of what's your passion, my passion was to see young people believing in who they are and what they can do. My passion is to see young people in that posture of I can do it. I'm a value. I'm I know who I am and what's more I accept who I am and that to me is what school and education should be all about um, as opposed to passing exams and achieving and it's great if if you're in that club but actually many many aren't and as we know you know battles with mental health and well-being and you know I don't know who I am I can't I'm no good So that's my passion. And I travel around, I speak in schools to pupils, probably year five upwards. Mm. Um, uh, Pupils to to staff, staff parenting. I'm passionate about inspiring what I call proactive pastoral care. You know, really stepping onto the front foot and having a game plan with kids, as opposed to just reacting to when there's a problem. Mm. Um, And then speaking to parents. and really excitingly, as I think I've shared, is that we're, we're just about to, as a, as a charity, take ownership of a bus that's been wow. given to us, a double-decker was, bus. Uh, this is just the,
0: coolest <laughs> the coolest thing. This, please this please bus,
1: about this bus. I, I, um, uh, you know, it's the most extraordinary story. I um, was asked, I, I was speaking at an event with Howden's, the, the, the kitchen company, you know, Howden's, hmm. And uh, it was being run in one of the London Park Lane hotels, and there it was, you know, the blind man was wheeled onto the stage at the end. And the CEO was interviewing me, he said, you know, tell me your story, what's happened? And So what's your plan? And usually, I would just say, I just want to be alive in five years time. That's my game plan. Mm -hmm. And it's one of my little jokes. And I, I said, actually, I do have a plan. And my plan is is that instead of being in schools for an hour or two, I go to a school for a day or two. Mm. And we continue to present to parents, to staff, to pupils. But also on our bus, we will bake bread with with individuals, or very small groups. Um, We will mentor. We will run workshops on important things like gratitude and resilience and sleep and stuff like that. And, and we'll run sessions for staff, for parents and pupils, not just for not just for wayward kids. Um, so that's the point of the bus. But, you know, it seems a long way away at the moment from where we're sitting. But
0: well, no, I mean, so there's um, the, the idea is that you would uh, I think also that you would have access to um, easier access to, to schools and communities but also they have easier access to you because yeah, yeah. Not every school that yeah, is yeah. able to invite you to to these workshops or so have the That's resources fine. to do that yeah. and so this yeah. is part of the charity isn't it that
1: but I've got another guy who is sort of he's absolutely brilliant he used to run a marquee business so it's very practical he's used to driving hgvs and you know he can drive a bus and um, but very practical and but very people minded as well. Really sort of wants to help young people to be the best version of who they are. Um, so it's really exciting that he's joining, and and yeah, that that's the plan for the future.
0: What a table! Well, I'm yeah. going to put the details of um, the wheels on the bus so, the so bus. in a in a development stage um yeah. for the next season so this is you know, bus-
1: our real challenge with it it's going to be incredibly expensive you know a bus is is macroeconomics it's not to fill it up is sort of it's like my salary for the year <laughs> um, but it's 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 kind of everything is just you know because it's big you know insurance and mot's everything's sort of scaled out
0: but this bus was donated from the it was
1: uh, from the, it was and it's fully donated. they they're, they're um, whatever the word is. They're updating it and putting their their Helden's kitchen in and ripping out all the chair. Oh, so it'll be fully converted for for use. In, but I love
0: the fact on your um on the the charities just giving page. You know I love the fact that everything is you know ten pounds will buy flour and yeah, uh, uh, pounds will buy how many wooden spoons you know i really <laughs> love the way it's been broken down it's an exhausting list because you think
1: oh, but... It is, but, but actually the reality is is that we were meant to be doing a sponsored walk um a, a marathon walk um this coming weekend so the 17th of may and of course we've had to cancel that like everything's been canceled but that was really for us to develop a, a, a sort of you know we recognize it's it's gonna be it's gonna be expensive this and of course Anthony needs to be paid and mm. so it's you know it's a challenge but if if there are any kind donors, you know it's
0: <laughs> please. yeah Got any spoons or <laughs> time or anything. Yeah. yeah well absolutely. I'll certainly um the wheels on the bus, the just giving page I'm gonna put into yeah. the um, the the information on the podcast summary yeah. Um, yeah. as well as uh, as well as your website um and uh and your ted talk my ted talk (laughs) rock and roll
1: oh come on
0: come on ted TED talks there as well um also just quickly mention you know as a complete novice in the podcasting realms (laughs) uh you also have a really brilliant really Uh um called uh talking teens
1: called yeah talking teenagers and we this is a great friend um, who used to, like me, was a housemaster at Moncton, just finished. And we go out together and um, we speak. We spoke, we done our first series with about 10 different people.
0: Oh, I mean, they're not just 10 different people. These are like, you know, the heads yeah. of industry. Yeah,
1: <laughs> well, we, you know. we, we sort of set our, our store quite high. So, you know, Simon Blake, who runs uh, Mental Health First Aid in the UK. Yeah. Um a lady That's called Sir Anthony
0: Seldon's on there and
1: Anthony Selden um yeah. and a few others and there's some some really good tips Liz you, Earl. Really I good.
0: loved the Liz
1: Earle Liz Earle yes Liz Earl. um and Alicia Drummond I don't know if you've come yeah. across Bean tips
0: yes well I listened so good. yeah
1: recently. yeah she's so good um so yeah there are some definitely ones with with parents if you're so scratching your head thinking and you've got teenagers or, or you've got young kids who are soon to be teenagers. Yes. I think there's some good ammo in there.
0: Oh, yeah. honestly. Yeah. So I'm going to put the, the link to that podcast um, yeah. in there as well. This like, hey yeah. um, yeah. uh, but but just before we go, you know, I know that you, um, you know, with, with the passion in your heart of, of really releasing the, the superpowers within people um which is just such an organic gift of yours to be able to do that um you are actually um remarkably in amongst (laughs) your four kids and multiple multiple (laughs) things that you're doing um sort of during the season are offering the opportunity to do some mentoring yeah uh,
1: yeah i i do you know i love um I love talking to individuals. I think I think as a housemaster, nine years, that was actually my highlight. Mm-hmm. Um, was talking to boys one to one, talking to young people, speaking to parents as well, and helping people to kind of unlock or tease out the little knots or you know the blocks that people might have in their journeys. And it is often as small as that. There's just something that needs unlocking that just to help people realize you know the value and the importance of of full life um so yeah no I've, I've had a really interesting time with a few parents recently really trying to sort of help them make sense of what they can't make sense of and I think that's the reality is that we've all got different areas that we can do things and are capable and you know give me a sort of spreadsheet it's like oh, well what's going on in that do you know what I mean <laughs> <laughs> um
0: so I suppose if I would say if anybody in our Heathmount family or beyond um would like to to have any of those mentoring sessions then maybe just get in touch with me at a uh, podcast dot org, and I will um put you in touch uh, brilliant. brilliant with uh with with I can and am and and yeah. you, know, you know I know that you're um that you are a very busy man. Um, oh. Now I know this was just a little taster, and you know, when we resume back to being able yeah. to host assemblies and oh,
1: uh, I'd really love to come to Eat
0: Please do. And perhaps one
1: day in the bus.
0: <laughs> bring the bus. <laughs> please bring the bus. Oh, We've got a big old really driveway good. and uh, we would be so honored. Oh. Uh, James, it has been an absolute joy to have you. Anne. Oh, thanks. Thanks, okay. Adrian. Do you know, I
1: now need, I've got my 12-year-old son, there are some cricket nets. <laughs> uh, there's a little cricket pitch, and there's some cricket nets in the middle of the village. Um, and I said to him, at half past three, we would go to the cricket nets. So I'm aware that it's now 10 to four, so I probably you ought to go. better go. To- you better go. Um, <laughs> Sending you
0: lots of love and Job thank left. you very much, see ya. Right. Bye. See you bye So that was the awesome James Schoen who we are already counting the days until we can have him at Heathmount in person and hopefully with the bust Now, all of the details and links of all that we talked about are in the summary section of this episode if you would like to find out more about I Can and I Am and the amazing work that James and his team are doing. So, next week, we're back to our normal array of interviews and games and stories, and I am delighted that so many of you, lovely lot, are going to be featuring as we fly into half term. May you all be so blessed as you step into the weekend and with a UFO spirit where we look up, look forward, and look out. Missing you all dreadfully and counting the days till we can see you. Bye for now.